Where's Mary? Okay, Mary's got a little story to tell us which will um, make sense in the sermon later as the sermon unfolds. Yeah, come now. Like right now. Okay, you're too late. Sit down. Now let me talk. Mary, get over here. <laughs> Mary and I are best friends. You should, you should, you, you should see us cook together. We, we stay over at their house quite often, and, and, and uh, I've taken over the kitchen or tried to. <laughs> and Mary's pretty, uh, pretty possessive mind. of her kitchen, but she does share it with me, and then we get into differences about how we're going to cook, and then we start arguing. And Always then she turns to me and she says, you're just like a brother. Yeah. <laughs> Another brother. It's pretty entertaining. Anyway, hit it. Um, I, um, you know how you keep going back to the same place a lot? And you, there's something about, okay, let me just explain. There's this little lady in Albertsons, very short Hispanic lady, shorter than me, and she had, wears her head, in, I know. <laughs> she has Impossible. Her head in a bun. And um, there was just something about her when I would go through. She always called me Sunshine. And about, oh, maybe a month or two after all, I said, you know, do, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And she goes, I am. And I said, I felt it in my spirit. And I said, you know, you always make my heart happy when I come through and I see you. And so a couple of months later, she said, um, you know, I have a problem. I have breast cancer. And she said, I'd appreciate it if you'd pray for me. So I said, I have a list, and I'll put you on my list, and I'll keep you there until we have victory. And then I remember a time um, last fall when she grabbed my hand when I walked in the church. You know how they have cashiers now that help in the self thing? And she saw me coming. She grabbed my hand. She goes, Mary, she goes, this never happened to me. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had a passion to pray for President Trump. And she said, I got on my knees, and I cried. And she said, I've never done that before. Well, I saw her on Thursday. And she says, hi, sunshine. And I said, hello, and how are you doing? And she goes, I'm going tomorrow for my report. And I said, I believe for a good report, because she's gone through the chemo and all. And then she said, I have something to share with you. My brother um, is having a liver transplant because of our prayers. She said he was, he was identified with liver, um, with uh, um, tumors, tumors on his liver, and they were going to deny him a liver transplant. And she went with her friends, and they prayed over him, and they disappeared. And the doctors don't know why. But I know it's a power that he was not a believer. And the doctors, because they had a series of doctors that always interview you before you're allowed to get a transplant, and they said, how did this happen? And he looked up, and he said, he did it. And uh, he's a strong believer now. <laughs> Amen. So that, that short story is going to become very relevant in a few minutes. So, um, how many of you heard Dennis speak last Sunday on uh, being positioned to receive more of God? Me too. Um, I tease Dennis all the time. I run him down. I make jokes about him. I humiliate him as much as possible. He's absolutely ironclad. He's Teflon. Nothing I say sticks. He just laughs, which I find very frustrating. So I have to find new ways of humiliating him all the time. But that sermon last Sunday, I have to admit, was great absolutely great and inspired me I thought you know there's more to say on this positioning business how how do we position ourselves to receive more of God 
What's it mean to position ourselves? And Dennis said uh, several things, which we'll get to in a minute. But I thought of another one too, and we're going to explore that today. And my jumping off place is really one short, very short scripture, which we call the prayer of Jabez, which is 1 Chronicles 4.10. And he simply says this, O Lord, that you would enlarge my territory. In other words, he's asking to receive from the Lord. It's a prayer of receiving. I want to receive more from you, Lord, and I'm asking you to expand my, my territory. Now, we know, and this is really important, this is step one in receiving from the Lord, and we've got to get over this. This is a serious issue. Jabez was an honorable man. He was a godly man. His prayer was not for his own purposes. He wanted his territory enlarged so that he can be a greater blessing to the kingdom, to God. It wasn't an essentially selfish prayer. He's going to be blessed, but the blessing he received is going to ripple out to others. He was asking for more blessing in order to be a blessing, more territory so that he can have more influence for God. The word territory used in this passage, it actually means boundary. It's a boundary. And I want you to think, because this image of a boundary around you is going to become really relevant. He was asking God to expand a boundary that that defined his life, essentially. So, Dennis talked about receiving from God. How do we expand the boundaries of our influence and our spiritual authority? What we're really talking here is expanding the boundaries of our influence and our spiritual authority for the kingdom of God. The first thing that Dennis said, and I think we have to absolutely keep this in mind, is it's not something we do. We don't... See, the boundary that's been set is set by God. He has an idea of the limits of your spiritual authority and your influence. We don't know what it is, but he's already planned it. He has a destiny for you as to how far your influence and your spiritual authority is going to go. But we don't know it in the beginning. And sometimes, sadly, we never reach it. There's a tremendous opportunity, a boundary beyond your imagination for the influence of your life. But sadly, many times we do not reach it. And I'm going to tell you why we don't reach it in a minute. But the first principle he taught us is it's not by our efforts that this boundary is expanded. We don't receive more of God because we earned it. Okay? God doesn't make contracts. He gives gifts. The devil always makes contracts and he never gives gifts. Okay? In the world of God, it's not a transactional thing where, Lord, you know, I I really prayed a lot this week, so therefore this is what you have to do for me. It's not like that. It's not transactional. It's relational. It's always a pure gift. Whenever he gives you more of himself, it's not because you earned it. It's because he's wonderful and he loves you. But we have a part to receive. We have a part to play in receiving from God, and that was Dennis's point. And he said we need to position ourselves to receive. And he used that image of positioning ourselves to receive. Now, he talked about a number of things that, that, that we use to position ourselves to receive. Do any of you remember what he said? Three things stood out to me. Do you remember what he said? As we, how do we position ourselves to, to receive more of God? Hmm? Yes, one of the things he said was being in the Bible and reading God's Word. Look, 
If you're going to receive more from God, you have to have faith to receive. You have to believe you're going to receive more from God. If you don't know God's nature and you don't know his promises and his track record, you're not going to have very much faith for receiving more of God. Now, where do we get that from? We basically get it from the Bible because that's the history of God's goodness. Really, the book is, you could call it the history of God's goodness. God's track record. You could call it God's curriculum vitae. God, what have you done lately? Well, you know, I parted the Red Sea. It was quite something. I made fire come down from heaven. That was quite something. Yeah, I've done a lot of really spectacular miracles. That's really something. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I died for the sins of the whole world. Well, God, what have you done for me lately? (laughs) That's often how we end that conversation. Having a knowledge of his word, what else did he say? He said another thing. He said two more things that are really important, which we must not forget. First one was the Bible. What was the second one? Hello? Prayer. You're his wife. You're not allowed to tell us what he said last week. <laughs> prayer. And look, we always think of prayer, and we've got, to get, you've got to get over this, okay? We view prayer as work. You know, it's, how do people express their prayers? I did my prayers today. I have to do my prayers today. They turn a relationship with God into a performance issue. Prayer is fundamentally not asking for things from God. Prayer is being with God. Prayer is enjoying God. Prayer is knowing Him. See, look, at we, we're personalities, right? We have a personality. Do you know we're made in His image? Did you know God has a personality? Just like you do, only it's nicer. <laughs> kind of the ultimate personality. You know, like, if you really... God, why, why would we not want to be with God in prayer? He's the most interesting person in the universe. He's the source of all personality. Humor. He has a sense of humor. He created you. I mean, he's amazing. Why would you not want to just simply be with him? Why would you always envision being with him as working for him? Like he's the ultimate boss, not like he's the ultimate personality. He's the most interesting thing in the universe. Jesus always violated everything we expected of him. Well, he has to be more religious. There's not a religious bone in Jesus' body. Well, he has to be more serious. He's joyful all the time. Well, he should be less joyful. Well, he's serious too sometimes. He's just interesting. He's just flat out interesting. And somehow we've turned him into a dead role model. Well, you know, you should be more like him. You don't even know him. I should be more like him. Well, then get to know him. Then you'll find out that you're getting to be more like him because you're hanging out with him. We become what we behold. What we gaze at is what we become. The people we hold up and say, that's my hero, that's who you're becoming. So why don't we just simply make him our hero because he's the most interesting person in the universe who's ever lived. Prayer is getting to know God. It's not working for God. Don't turn your prayers into work. That's religion. Just keep your prayers relational. Lord, what do you think about that? Now, what do you think about that? Lord, that tree is beautiful. You do amazing work. Your architecture in the mountains is amazing. 
You're interesting. Lord, what do you think? Lord, what do you like? And ask him this question sometime, just, just, just for a shock. Tell me what you like about me. Because most of the time I ask him what he doesn't like about me, and that kind of offends him, frankly. He said, stop doing that. Just stop that, would you? You're wrecking our relationship. What do you like about me? God says, you make me laugh. I go, really? Want to hear another one? He goes, no, I already heard it. It's in your head. Oh, sorry. Okay, so there's the Bible, and then there's being with him. Now there's the third one. This matters, guys. This is important. What's the third way we position ourselves to receive more from God? Who said that? Fellowship. Now, fellowship sounds boring. Fellowship sounds like work. Well, we've got to have more fellowship in the house. Really? What's it look like? Well, it's pretty painful. How about we need to hang out with people that are growing to be more like him? Because when I'm around those people, they're influencing me whether I recognize it or not. And when I'm around them, I'm influencing them. And maybe we're all influencing each other towards something more wonderful. And maybe he actually designed this thing that we need each other. We're not complete in ourselves. We are all born weak. Did you know that? We're all born weak. And we try to cover it up for the rest of our lives. But we're all born weak. We're all born with a need for each other. I had non-Christians back in the day tell me, oh, you Christians, you're just, you're, your faith is just a crutch. I said, what if I'm born lame? What if I need a crutch? Then that crutch is a pretty, pretty wonderful thing. We need each other. Bible, relational prayer, which is really an ongoing conversation with the Lord, and fellowship. Okay, but there's one more. Those were great, essential. But there's another position a way that we position ourselves for more of the Lord. But before we go there, we're going to ask a question. I want you to imagine that around your life is this little, well, we'll call it, it's like a boundary. You're in a bubble, you know. You're, you're in your own your little world. You're in your own little world. There's a bubble around you. This is the boundary of, I don't want to give it away right away, but this is the boundary of your influence, your spiritual authority. We all have that. Walk around with that boundary. And Jabez is saying, expand mine. How do you usually define the boundaries of your influence and spiritual authority? Because before we go to how to position ourselves to get more, let's define the boundary. How are the boundaries of my usefulness in God's kingdom determined? Okay, here's the, here's the bad thing. Most of the time, we determine them, not him. Now, he's got an idea what your boundaries should be, but pretty much, to be honest, most of the time, we define the boundaries of where that line exists, what our spiritual authority is. We set it rather than God. And how do we do it? There's a formula for how we usually do it, and I sure hope it comes up. Yeah, it's going to come up. This is good. How do I usually define the boundaries of my influence and spiritual authority? It goes like this. Now pay attention. This is important. My natural abilities plus 
my life experience, plus my training and my past and the expectations of others, which is huge, equals my assigned territory, the boundaries of my influence, my spiritual authority, my natural abilities, plus my life experience, my training, my past, the expectations of others equals how I define much of the time the boundaries of my spiritual authority and influence. And this is partly true. God expects us to use our natural abilities, etc., 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 to be influential for him. A small amount pressed down and used will lead to more. The, the parable of the talents, you all know that. There's expectation that we will give our best. Oswald Chambers, my, uh, my utmost for his highest. But, when, but look, when you do that, and that's all you do, defining it through who you are and your past and, and the expectations of others, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. The danger is, here's the danger, you're going to reach your human potential. Won't that be something? Look at me. I'm all that I can be for him. Look at me. Look what I Wow, God's lucky to have me. And you people are specially blessed to have me. Gaze and behold, you too can be like me. Rick? See, the big danger here, if you define the boundaries in those terms, is that you're going to accomplish it. Then what? And I call this average Christianity. This average Christianity. This is the way most of us, most of the time, define the limits of our spiritual influence and authority. Come on, let's be honest, right? It also goes hand in hand perfectly with religion, which lives by the ethic of do more, try harder. And this is the way it is. And okay, I'm time, it's time to get critical, all right? I'm going to get critical. But it's in love. This is the way most... No. This is the way a lot of churches in America define their success. We will do our best in our human potential and we will offer this gift to God and He should be happy with it because we did our best. And we hold up a model of success within the Christian community of exactly that. We do more and try harder. We do our best and we run great programs, fantastic Music, a million-dollar sound system, the best audio-visual there is, and programs up the wazoo to keep any kind of human being happy. And we're doing it really, really well, and God should be thrilled. And if we all aspire to this kind of church, we're going to change the country. Here's the problem. Since we've aspired to that, and that's been the definition of success in much of the church, the numbers and the research shows the church is rapidly losing its interest in this country, and it's shrinking, and we're not really advancing the kingdom of God. Sad. I mean, honestly, guys, we're not making it up. That's just, that's just the facts. 
there's got to be more here. We've got to be looking for something more than we do our best for God and call it a successful church. There's more to this story, I hope, and I'm not trying to set us up like we're some glowing example, but our church is different. It hungers, seriously hungers, for more of God's presence. I mean, every single Sunday we go back there and we pray, and without doubt somebody says, God, we really need your presence today. And it's not about our programs or how good we can be or how good we can look and get everything excellent and perfect. That's, a, that's nice, but that's not essential. What's essential is that we sense your presence today. If we don't sense your presence today, something was wrong. We need you. We want you. We hunger for more of you. And we, we hunger for a different kind of expansion. The expansion of the territory. It's not that we reach our human potential. It's that we experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that His presence is tangible when we get together. Like Paul said, I hope, he said, I'm not coming to you to preach a message based on my oratory ability or on human wisdom. I'm coming here in humility with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit so that your faith will not rest on human excellence or reason or human ability, but your faith will rest on the power of God. That was what he said. This is the smartest guy in the Bible. He's equivalent of er many earned PhDs. There's nobody. We're only Christians sitting here today because of Paul. His grip on grace and understanding that this isn't a Jewish thing, this is for the whole world and how it works, it's through grace. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He absolutely changed it from a little sectarian Jewish thing to something that went to the whole world. He's the smartest guy other than Jesus in the Bible. And he said, I'm pathetic. I'm weak. I'm the weakest, worst person I know. And he meant it. He had a grip on truth about his own personality, his own self, and his own weakness, and his own sins that caused him to say, it's not about me, it's about him. What did he say about weakness? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice in my weakness because when I'm weak, I get to see the power of God. I get to see the strength of God. I get to see something only God could do. Listen, the worst thing that can happen when you're calling out for supernatural outpouring of the Spirit is that you end up reaching your maximum human potential and then you stay there. Amen. The kingdom of God is not defined by human potential. It's defined by God's supernatural power. Amen. And why is that? Because if we reached our human potential, two things would happen we would very quickly stop and take credit for it. God, you should be thrilled with what we've done for you. Or, just as bad, we would have a church built by man. And churches built by men are the last thing this country needs. Such a church would not reveal God's glory, and the same is true in our life. God's glory is not re revealed in our human excellence. God's glory is revealed in our human weakness. Yeah, what an irony that is, huh? You want to shine for God? Then admit your weakness, accept it, 
and open your heart to him. We've got to go well beyond what is humanly possible. Listen, when we build a church upon human potential, we don't get heaven on earth, we get earth on earth. We must go well beyond what is humanly possible in order for his supernatural power to be revealed in our lives. And this is what we should be praying for. You know what you want people to say? Here's what you want people to say about you. She could never have done that by herself. That had to be God. Because she's nothing special. Right? Make sense? So look, here's our new formula. Here's our new formula for expanding the boundaries of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It would look like this. Ready? My willingness and obedience plus my weakness plus my weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equals my expanded territory. Do you realize, people, that your weakness is a key ingredient to the expansion of your influence for God? Can you understand that? Listen, we often say, I'm qualified for ministry because I'm so gifted. I've got spiritual gifts, plethora, so I'm really qualified for, 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 for ministry. Your qualification is not your strength. Your qualification is your weakness. Is there anybody here that believes that? Your weakness is God's opportunity to show off. Your weakness is essential to your ministry. Apart from your weakness, there is no ministry. My willingness and obedience plus my weakness equals God's, plus God's will and supernatural power equals my expanded territory. His supernatural ability begins where your human ability ends. Isn't that comforting? When I get to the end of my ability, he gets to be God. He doesn't get to be God in my life until I've reached the end of my ability because I'll keep deferring to my ability and relying on it. And he never gets to be God. We need to operate beyond our human ability to experience his supernatural ability. And your, your human weakness is your qualification for ministry. Guys, that, that should seriously cause you to heave a great sigh of relief. Because instantaneously understanding that, the burden lifts off of you. Oh my God, it's not about me. Oh my God, it's not about me. Oh my God, it's not about me. I get to be real. I can be transparent. I can show people my weakness. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to be ashamed of it. And you get to show your weakness. We can be a community of losers. We can be a community of broken people because he works best through broken people. He did not pick the strong people to advance his kingdom. He picked the weak people. Flip it all upside down. Whatever we think is wonderful and amazing, God goes, I don't think so. Pass. pass. I'm looking for the loser. I'm looking for the loser. I'm looking for the... A loser! Not you. Francisco, a loser! I found a loser. I found somebody I can actually use. Because he's not trying to be somebody special. 
you are losers, all of you people. I'm looking at you're a bunch of losers. And you are being spoken to right now by a massive, gargantuan, perfect loser. Once we realize we're losers, people, once we know we're losers, we get to relax. And, and I'm going to talk about this in a second. We get to take risks. Because most people won't take risks. They're worried about what people will think of them if they take a risk and fail. But I'm already a loser, so who cares? Bob Dylan wrote a song back in the 60s, one line of which said, when you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. But as soon as you get something, you have something to lose. As soon as I have a reputation to protect, I stop taking risks for the Lord. But when I have no reputation to protect, who cares what happens? Let's do it. Let's just let her rip. Yeah, but what if you fail? So what? Look at me. I'm a loser. We've already established the fact I'm a loser. I have nothing to protect. (sighs) Now listen to me. We're going to get back to the bubble we live in, that little boundary around us that we define as the circle of our influence, the circle of our spiritual authority. Now pay attention. We have these invisible boundaries around us. It's a circle of our human ability, usually, plus our personal experience of the supernatural. Because we are a supernatural church and we do believe in it. So now I'm going to say, yeah, I got this new idea of of my, my boundary, where that boundary exists. It's my human ability plus my personal experience of the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit in my life up to today. Up to today. Now, this is better. This is better than just your human ability, blah, blah, plus all your wonderfulness, blah, blah. No, this is better because it includes a supernatural element of what God's done in my life. But it's up until now. And guess what? I've become exceedingly comfortable with that. This thing's working for me. I'm going to use Dennis as an example. This this is going to look like a criticism, and it is. Dennis taught me more about prophetic ministry than anybody I know. He did it, God bless him, by throwing me in the deep end and letting me drown. And he just chuckles while I'm blowing my brains out in front of a whole church full of people. But, see, Dennis, God bless him, grew up in a tradition where prophecy happened inside the church. You prophesy inside the church, and that's clearly true. But I grew up in a tradition where prophecy happens outside the church, where it's a means of evangelism, where we're supposed to go out and use the gift with total strangers at the grocery store or wherever. So we were doing something, and it was between meetings. So we were just, yeah, there's the meetings where you're like a Christian, and then there's the times between the meetings where you're a human being. Let's all embrace hypocrisy for a moment, shall we? It's so, so comforting. So, so we're between meetings, and we go to this uh, ice cream store or something. And we're standing there waiting while the girl's making up the floats or whatever they were. And um, I just get this thought in my head. And I said to the girl, I said, uh, have you ever wondered what God thinks about you? She goes, what? 
I said, have you ever wondered about what God thinks about you? Wouldn't it be nice to know what God thinks about you? What if God had something to say to you? She went, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I said, Dennis, prophesy over her. (laughs) Dennis was like, he didn't see it coming. The train just smacked right into Dennis. And he looks at me and I go, no, do it. Come on, you're a prophet. But he see, he's defined it. This is something we do in church. No, it isn't. Now for you, you've got a choice. You can expand the circle of your prophetic authority, jurisdiction. Or you can say no. Dennis is a risk taker. Dennis is mentally ill. I've traveled all over the world with Dennis. I can't stand it. Dennis never worries about anything. I worry about everything. What if our luggage gets lost? God will take care of us. What if we catch a disease or something? God will take care of us. I don't want to go to Africa with you. What, you want to go to a nursing home and drool in your shoes while you're watching TV? Or do you want to die for Jesus on the mission field? I'll take the, uh, the, the, uh, the TV and the drooling. I don't want to come to Africa with you. He, tried, he actually tried to tell me to come to Africa on a mission trip with him. And I said, why, why do you want me? And he said, because some prophetic guy had a dream or something of him and me dying at the hand of a guy shooting us in Africa. I said, really? I said, really, Dennis? So you want to share your death with me so we can be closer as friends? I said, I don't go to countries with diseases I can't spell. That's my life principle. So you go die in Africa. Have a good time, Dennis. So anyway, so at the ice cream shop, he's caught. It's time to either embrace the space beyond the circle. You're going to embrace the space beyond the circle, or you're going to stay with your supernatural experience up until today. Well, God bless him. Dennis doesn't have the sense to say no. So he waits for a few seconds, and he starts prophesying over this girl, and she's like, undone. This is powerful. This is the way we're supposed to do it. This is pushing the boundaries of the circle of your comfort. Let's just get honest here. If you want to see more of, your li- more of God in your life, you are going to have to embrace expanding your comfort zone. Because that little boundary of our influence, our spiritual authority, it's basically tied to our comfort. Growth in the kingdom of God is by nature uncomfortable. By definition. You're going to have to embrace something you, you aren't comfortable with. But every time you do, the boundary gets pushed out and your circle of influence gets bigger. And if you keep on taking those risks and embracing discomfort, that circle of your influence will grow out to just where God designed it to be and you will be fulfilled in your ministry. And you will have a sense of significance and fit in your life that was not possible any other place. See, God's a win-win God. He doesn't just get another warrior with an expanded territory. He gets someone who's happy and f- complete and, and, and enjoy with their life because they've taken all the risks necessary to expand the circle of their influence, which is expanding the circle of their comfort zone, to be honest. And out it goes. Right? Okay, so the position to receive, by definition, is about an inch and a half beyond your comfort zone. Right? 
where does this risk-taking begin? How do we start pushing the boundaries out? Well, this is also your influence we're talking here, not just your comfort zone. It's your spiritual authority and your influence. Where do you start? Answer, all of us have influence somewhere. Don't you tell me for a minute sitting here today that you're not an influential person. Every single one of us influences somebody sometime every single day. We are being influenced. Look, we are a people of influence. We both are influenced by others and we influence others. We're a herd. We have a herd mentality. We call it peer pressure. We call it what we want. But the fact is we're influential. We're either being influenced or influencing somebody most of the day, all day. So you start with where you're influential. What's your circle of influence? Who do you influence in your life? Let's just do a quick, just t- we have time, let's do this. Who do you influence in your life right now? Family. Family. Friends. Friends. Co-workers. Co-workers. Hmm? Neighbors. Other prayer warriors. Hmm? Family, kids, parents, roommates, brothers, sisters. All of us have people we are influential with and who influence us. And, we're all, and this is the place to start, to expand the circle of our influence. But here's, here's the most important place to start. Husbands, you are your wife's only husband. No one else can do this job in the world. You're it. Therefore, that's where you start expanding the circle of your influence. You are your children's only father. You are your children's only mother. That's where you start expanding the circle. You are, you are the only boss your employees have. You are the only small group leader your small group has. Wherever you are given a unique role or relationship, you have spiritual authority in that place. You don't have to wonder. You have it. God's designed it that way. And... Our prayer is that God will pour his power through us in those relationships. So it's a great place to start in the people closest to you where you have already have a circle of influence. And what are we praying for? We're praying for an influence far beyond our natural abilities. It's not that they think I'm wonderful. It's that they think God is wonderful. I have an opportunity to influence them. So, here's the practical application. Growing beyond our circle of human ability is uncomfortable, period. It will always be uncomfortable. Stepping beyond our self-confidence is awkward. What if I fail? What if I look foolish? What if my attempted prophetic word is wrong? What if my gesture of love is not accepted? The fact is that asking for more of the Holy Spirit through us is risky. What if something strange happens? What if nothing happens? <laughs> Back in the day, we had our church was moving in Canada in a great wave of power. It was really, really great. And my, one of my best friends, he wasn't jumping in. He was like, mm, I don't know, this is kind of weird, blah, blah, blah. And I said, why don't you just come to one of these whacked out conference meetings where strange and wonderful things happen. And he said, no, I don't want to go. And I said, why not? 
I know you love the Lord. Why don't you, why don't, why don't you want to come? He said, well, I'm, I'm afraid of two things. And th- this was brilliant. This summed up the human condition when dealing with more of God. He said, well, there's two things I'm really afraid of. I said, what is it? He said that something weird will happen. So I can pretty much guarantee that. He said, what's the second one? That nothing weird will happen. And I'll just be the same as I was before. Isn't that ironic? All that's telling us is that more of God is inherently uncomfortable. There's always some kind of risk. Where do I position myself in order to receive more of God's power in my life? A few inches outside the boundary of my comfort zone. And that means we embrace risks. But remember, you're a loser. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that you're a loser. Losers can take risks because they have nothing to lose. You can be comfortable outside your comfort zone if you'll just admit, I'm a loser. It's not about me. It's about him. And he is drawn to losers. Remember John and I had a conversation years ago. I've never forgotten what he said. It really moved me deeply. He said, you know, one day God said to me, you disdain weakness. And John owned it. I disdain weakness in people. And this is what the Lord said to him. But I'm drawn to it. Just love him so much. He's drawn to weakness. He responds to it. He doesn't judge. He simply responds. Here's someone that really has a need. Here's someone that can use me. Here's someone that really needs me. Stop despising your weakness. Stop judging yourselves. Just enjoy the fact that he's drawn to you and loves you. And then live in the freedom of that. Okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. We're just going to do a little test here. When was the last time you did something uncomfortable in answer to God's prompting? When was the last time you did something uncomfortable in answer to God's prompting? In other words, when's the last time you stepped outside the circle of your comfort? When was the last time you embraced risk? If that's a hard question to answer, maybe you've stopped growing. Okay, here's the solution to maybe that we've stalled. Maybe we're not growing because we're not embracing any risks. We're not embracing anything uncomfortable for God's sake. Here's the way we can fix it. Are you willing to ask God regularly, what do you want me to do that's uncomfortable for me? Are you asking me to do anything that I'm not comfortable with? 
And you know what? He's not going to... Okay, he's not a jerk. He doesn't just come up with stuff to ruin your day. Okay, she's willing to embrace risk. Well, watch this. <laughs> hey, Angel, stop for a minute. I got this trick I'm going to play. Uh, uh, this is going to be a good one. Man, this is going to humiliate her. It's not his game. It's not a game. He's trying to grow you. He's not going to come up with something every single day to ruin your day. But maybe he'll come up with something once in a while that when you do it, it's so special you never forget it. It's a trophy on the shelf. You never forget it. What if it's that? Lord, is there anything you want me to do that's uncomfortable for me? One of the best ones for me was that I was taking a trip to a conference in the city an hour and a half north of where we lived. I was brushing my teeth the morning we were leaving. I'm going to preach that night. Took a team and we're going to do, we're going to do some supernatural ministry. And I was brushing my teeth and I, I, this thought crossed my mind. I said, Lord, is there anything unusual you want me to do tonight? Anything I haven't done before? You know, something beyond my comfort zone? He said, yes. I said, what is it? He said, take a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to stand over to the side of the church while they're worshiping. And I want you to scan the people. And as you scan the people, your gaze is going to lock on individuals. And I want you to write down what I say about them. And then when you're done, I want you to get up and give those prophetic words. And I thought, wow, we've never done that before. That's scary. So I did it. I'm not going to... The story was absolutely, ridiculously amazing. (laughs) I saw a young girl about this big, maybe eight, long blonde hair. And as I looked at her, I began to see a film, black and white film, playing in my mind of a film clip I'd seen of Catherine Coleman on stage. They wear the crazy diaphanous gown floating across the stage, calling out conditions. Oh, you're healed of this. And, I mean, it's like she was something else. And I looked at this. I saw this thing playing in my head. I said, Lord, you're not trying to tell me this girl has her anointing. He said, yes. Now prophesy over her. I said, no, there's no way I can do this. What are her parents going to say? I mean, this is crazy. So that was the morning session of the second day. And I got up there and I said, little girl on the end of the line over there, come on up here. She ran across the floor. It was in a high school gym. She jumped up on the stage, came shooting over, threw her arms around me and put her head right here. Bang, like this. I thought, wow, this is crazy. So I said, okay, um, are your parents, who are her parents? And I said, okay, listen. I said, the Lord's telling me that she is going to be able to hear his voice uh, clearly from childhood. Uh, she's got a great calling on her life. I, wouldn't, I was not going to say Catherine Coleman. There's no way I'm going to say that. I can't. I just, it's too irresponsible. Said so she's going to have healing ministry. She's going to be moved powerfully in the Holy Spirit. And uh, you can't treat her as special. The Lord says you have to treat her like a normal person. Don't tell her all these things. Don't encourage all this stuff. It's simply going to unfold in her life. So I'm coaching them about how to, how to raise her and then let her go. 
the end of the session, her father comes up to me. I'm sorry, it was in the afternoon session I said these things. I saw her in the morning and said it in the afternoon. He said, we don't go to this church. He said, I don't understand any of these things. I don't know what you're talking about, but let me tell you what happened at noon. He said, you'd been doing that thing where you call people out and you tell them stuff. He said, you'd been doing that in the morning. And on the way back from lunch to the church, my daughter said, you know that guy gets up and tells people stuff? Yes, he has something from God for me. He's going to tell me stuff from God. And then I did. Just rocked, rocked their world. He said, what am I going to do? He said, I don't understand any of this. I said, well, you, you need to hang out here. I know you don't go to this church, but this is a place where the power of God is very present. And you just need to come and be in the presence of God and, and you'll get it. And he goes, okay, the end of the afternoon, during the ministry time, I'm up there directing the ministry time and I see him at the back. And he's, his back is against the back wall and he's just kind of relaxing like this. And he's watching the ministry going on. And one of our team walks across the back. And, and the team member is walking across the back. And all of a sudden, he just stops. And he looks at this guy. And he stretches out his hand and starts praying. The guy's body goes limp, slides down the back wall. And he's like on the ground like this. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. Like, now he's going, I don't know what's going on, but it sure feels good. Like, before the day is over, the Lord has already touched her father with the Holy Spirit, and he has some adjustments to make in his comfort zone. Don't we all have some adjustments to make in our comfort zone? So the application is really simple. You simply go to the Lord. You say, I know, I admit, I have a comfort zone. I would like to function outside of it. You're going to have to show me some things to do to try so I, so I know it's you enough to take a risk. But please, Lord, help me to function outside the boundary of my comfort zone. And that's where growth comes from. Okay? Let's all close our eyes. We'll do one quick exercise just to test, see if there's something God wants you to do. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, is there anything you have on your mind for me today in a way that you want me to expand the circle of my comfort? Is there anything you want me to do or say for anybody that you have in mind for me to grow? Please show me right now. If there's anything, please show it to me right now. Is anybody getting anything? Is a face or a name coming to mind? Is there anything coming to your mind? Put up your hand if there is. Go on, put up your hand if there is. Right on. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray that you will bring that about, that you will bring the opportunity about to do that very thing. And you will give us strength to take the risk of operating outside our comfort zones. I pray for all the rest of us, Lord, that we will 
give you opportunities and ask you the question, is there anything uncomfortable you want me to do for the sake of your kingdom? And then wait and then be willing to embrace it when it comes, whatever it is. Because Lord, we want more than what we've experienced up to today. We want more. transition here. I believe we want to have a word. Let's sing There is a River. We're going to do an application. Okay, great. Awesome. Hang in there. <laughs> well, this, this is what the Lord spoke to me when Mark was asking that question. And we do this all the time. We, we make a call and we say that there's more that the Lord wants to give to each of us. And we talk about being filled with the Spirit. And we pray for people. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, a lot of times people receive the the gift of the Spirit right there. They start speaking in tongues. Sometimes they don't. But we also hear the stories, and I just heard one recently, of of a, uh, a young lady who we prayed for. Nothing happened. But she kept pursuing God. And we kind of instructed her. And probably a month went by and then she received her prayer language. So I think it's something we just need to keep encouraging and we need to keep praying for. And sometimes people get frustrated and they say, I've been up, I've been prayed for numerous times. Keep seeking God, pressing in. Because this, everything Mark's talking about today, one of the foundations for that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And the easiest way to move in the gifts of the Spirit is to start speaking in tongues. I've found that speaking in tongues is a foundational gift. And as we do that, it just makes it easier to move in, in um, you know, prophetic gifts, discern, gifts of discernment, gifts of healing. The other gifts start to flow. The, I really look at the gift of tongues. I call it a doorway gift. It starts, us, it starts us to understand how God wants to move through us. So I just really encourage that we do have a time. Yeah, right now. Open, open up for those that want to receive sure. the gifts Let's of the Spirit. Let's just do that right over there with Gary and Kathy. Kathy, if you want to come up. Well, anybody that doesn't have that gift, it is a good gift. You should get it. It's really helpful. So go over there, join those guys. Mark has a word here that applies to several other people this morning. And he's going to give that. We'll have that as a, a thing we pray for. Okay. Well, one of the things that God may be telling you is, is something to work on for yourself. For example, getting ministry, getting counseling, confessing something to a trustworthy person, or in some other way, doing something that might be difficult or painful. I just want to encourage you that if God is leading you to do that, I I know from experience that God is a lot kinder than I thought you ever would be. So when you... Yeah, there's there's several people here that just heard that and that's your issue, but you haven't had the courage to do it. So if you want to come forward and get prayer, we'll pray for you for courage. And a number of you were convicted uh, by that idea of stepping out your comfort zone, but 
you didn't receive an application this morning that was direct, but you still want to do it, and you need some prayer for courage to go ahead and, and ask that question and then take a shot when God gives you something to do. So there's, there's that issue, the issue Mark posed, and uh, the issue that Gary and Kathy are going to address. So that's our ministry time. So why don't you come forward? If you fit any of those categories, come on forward. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you, and then we'll call it a day. Okay? Okay. Let's enter in. Step out. That's right. There is a river whose streams make land the city of our God. Dennis and April, why don't you guys come up and pray? Francisco, the rest of the prayer team, come on up.